Happy Easter. Don't you just love singing Easter hymns and new contemporary pieces? You know, I was listening today. It's kind of a little something old, a little something new. But were you there? That's a fitting question. It's a rhetorical question. For those who have met our risen Savior, the answer to that question is yes. Yes, I was there. I was there because it is my sins that put him on that cross. I was there because he did it for me. I was there because he called my name. Were you there? If you weren't there, hopefully today you'll be able to accept that invitation. You'll accept that invitation, and so when you hear this song again, were you there? You can say, yes, yes, I was. Please join with me in a word of prayer. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, we are thankful for today. We are thankful that you have given us this opportunity this Easter Sunday to come into your house. Lord, we have worshipped you in song. Now we turn to worship you with the proclamation of your word. I ask that my words be your words today, Lord. And if I should stray from the message that you have prepared, Lord, I ask any of those words that I say just be quickly forgotten. We also ask, Lord, that you prepare our hearts that we may receive your words. Open our ears that we may listen. But give us strength to our hands that we may do your work and guide our feet that we may walk that narrow way. It is in your name we pray. Amen. And so today, you probably know what my topic is. I hope you know what my topic is. It is about the resurrection. We are going to look in John's gospel. Now, there are four gospel accounts, good news accounts. We have the three synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then we have John. John's written a little bit different. It is more of a theological interpretation of the events of an eyewitness. So what does that mean? John, after living a lifetime serving our risen Lord, is putting to paper an account. Refers to himself throughout the gospel as the one whom Jesus loved. Doesn't use his name. His life is truly associated by his relationship to Christ. He is the disciple whom Jesus loved. So John writes a little differently. He confesses they didn't quite understand Jesus when Jesus was with him because Jesus had not been glorified yet. And what I mean by that is Jesus had not been resurrected and had ascended to the Father and had left the earth with one of the most precious gift, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the one who would live in our heart and guide us. When we talk about the Trinity, we talk about the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. For it is after Easter that we are given the Spirit as a gift. It was a given as a gift to the church so that we may be one together in heart and mind. So as John puts pen to paper, he will say, we had not yet understood the Scripture, for our eyes and our ears had not been yet opened to their true meaning. 
I mean, think about it. Young man, traveling along three years with an itinerant preaching, see, seeing amazing things done, people healed, the lame to walk, even the dead to live again. But this was different. This was their teacher and their Lord. Friday, they all left him. They thought that what could have been had been a failure. Saturday, they grieved. The women who stood by his side even as he was crucified, who saw him nailed to that tree, who saw him give up his breath, their hearts were heavy. And on Friday night, as they rushed to get Jesus' body prepared for burial, they had to beat sunset, didn't they? Because at sunset marked the Sabbath. And preparing people for the grave did not take place during the Sabbath. And so by Friday night at sundown, Jesus was laid in that grave. And they thought it was over. Sunday morning came around. That is why we meet week after week on Sunday. If you haven't realized why we don't meet on Saturday, Sunday is the Lord's Day. It is the resurrection day. We don't gather on the Sabbath anymore as Christians. Some of our, our brothers and sisters will because that's how they interpret the Scripture. But for us, we gather on the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, because Jesus is alive. We let it set the tone of how we are to live by our relationship with Christ, by gathering together on the first day of the week to celebrate the resurrection. And today is the day of all year. You know, Christmas is exciting, but Christmas has no meaning without Easter. If there was no Easter, Christmas would have just been another day. But because of this day, we can celebrate Christmas. This is the Lord's Day. And this is how it began in John chapter 20. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken our Lord from the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. Both of them were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes laying there. But he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes laying there and the face cloths which had been on Jesus' head, not laying with the linen cloths but folded up in its place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb also went in. And he saw and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scriptures that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their home. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as they went, as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. 
Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he has said these things to her. He is risen. He is risen indeed. I just love this narrative of the tomb. And John tells it so beautifully. It is a pattern to it. And sometimes we will take the story and we will dissect it and we will take what we know about Jesus and the resurrection from Mark and Matthew and Luke and we'll put them together so we get a complete picture of the resurrection. But we're not going to do that this morning. We are going to look at John, at the disciple whom Jesus loved. We're going to read it how he wrote it. For this story is told in a pattern, a very common literary pattern. It's a chiasm. We start with Mary and we end with Mary. We have John and Peter. Then we have Peter and John. It makes this nice, beautiful rap. So why is this? Why has John chosen to write the story in this way? Well, sometimes when we come to Easter, we will look at John Seemingly, why did he not go in? Was he deferring to Peter, who was the the chosen leader? And we'll get so wrapped up what the two disciples did that we miss the fact that this story is about Mary, Mary Magdalene. It is a story of progression. Did you notice it? How did it start off? Mary and some other ladies, doesn't really say, but we know they were there. We use a plural. They went to the tomb. Why, if we read in the other account, we know two guys dressed Jesus for burial because they were the ones who got the body down and all this. It's under the assumption that even though they were grieving, they know that these guys probably didn't do a good job of it. And they were going to really prepare the body for burial. But it was still dark. Jesus had risen, but right now it is still dark. And as the scene goes from Mary to Peter, and to John, it buys time. It's a a literary tool, isn't it? We had to buy time. This is a progression of thoughts. This is a progression of the gospel, of understanding, and it ends with Mary. So in this, we see a progression of detail. Did you notice that? So we see Peter... He went out, and the other disciple ran faster. The other disciple, getting to the tomb first, stooped down and looked in. What did he see? He saw linen. One detail. If you want to be a crime scene investigator, 
Let's think of terms of evidence. Because that is what this scene is about. It is about evidence. Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not some kind of symbolic thing that the church clings to or a mythical origin. It is about a historical fact. It is about a fact of Jesus, God incarnate. This is a fact of how God broke into history and changed the world as we know it. This is about the evidence that points to a God who can do what only a God can do. It is about a tomb whose stone was rolled away. It is about a tomb that is no longer occupied by one who is crucified. Yes, it is about linens. And Peter stoops down, goes in. He sees linens and a headcloth. Mary, she thought someone stole the body, didn't she? Or moved it, or reburied it, or did something. He thought maybe the opponents who were so adamant about getting rid of Jesus in life now couldn't, didn't have enough, and they were going to desecrate the body. But it's about evidence. It's about a pile of linen. And now it's about a face cloth laid to its side. Now, if you were going to go steal a body, how would you do it? Have you ever thought about it? I don't think about it too much. <laughs> but I don't think I would take the time to undress it, do you? This is what happened. Jesus got up. He had to take those grave cloths off because he didn't need grave cloth. He was alive. So what covered his face, he had to put over on this side. What covered his body, he had to pile up over here. The tomb was empty, but it wasn't left bare. If you're going to steal a body, you're going to take it wrapped in all and get rid of it. Get out of there quick because you don't be caught in a grave. Jesus did it himself. So now we have detail upon detail. We have a stone rolled away. Now we look into this stone. Now we look into that grave. Little pile of linen. Now little pile of linen face cloth. Time is moving forward. When did the sun come up in this scene? How long did it take Mary to run all the way back and get those other two disciples? How long did it take them to run? Just say a few miles at a time. How long does it take you to run a marathon? It takes me a very long time. Time is building up. The sky is now filled with the bright sun of Easter morning. The darkness is dissipating. The light is coming into the world. For John, over all his gospel, compares the light and the darkness. For when Jesus' time has come, darkness would have fallen over the land. When he is crucified, the sun did not give forth its light as he gave up his spirit because that Saturday was indeed a dark day, a day when darkness reigned in this world. And that morning, when Mary had left out with the other women to make sure Jesus was properly buried, darkness still hung on their hearts. And so the evidence of a stone rolled away. The evidence of a linen cloth. 
and now a face cloth to the other side. And Peter going in, John following after him, it said, and John saw this evidence and he believed. But he did not yet have full understanding, did he? Because John kind of remembered what Jesus had talked about, that he was going to the Father. He was going to their Father. And he believed on the evidence in front of him. He believed that Jesus was not dead but alive, but he hadn't seen him in the flesh. He hadn't seen him face to face. Neither had Peter. I wonder how long they stayed. You know, when I read this the first time, I think it's kind of like a boom, 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 now we get back to Mary. How long were they there? I'd been there a little while because I just ran all the way from town to this gravesite. I'd have to catch my breath. Peter seemed to be an older guy because he was slower. He probably had to catch his breath, let it sink in. I wonder if they went out and chatted with Mary and the other ladies that were there. Or did they just simply see and walk away? How long did it take for the light to dawn on their hearts? And then we go back to Mary. She stood there still weeping, for she thought someone had stolen her Lord. She looks in, and now she sees two angels in white. The, the angels are not messengers, though we see in the other Gospels they did see. But for John, the angels are evidence. Why would there be angels in this scene? Because they are evidence that the Lord is no longer there. Angels being evidence. <laughs> I wonder if you get that one in the court. So she's there weeping. She says, where have they taken my Lord? Where have they taken him? Now, strange enough, this scene reminds me of a customer service training class I went to. It's odd, isn't it? How does this come from a training. Many of you probably have gone to these. If you're in a service industry of various types, you may have gone to a training class on how to have better customer relations. Every time I read this story, I think of that training I went to. And it sticks with me. There was a question. What is the sweetest sound on earth? What is it? The angels singing, the birds, think of all these things. You know what the answer is? It's your name. The sweetest sound on earth is your name. Think about it, and it's true. You like when someone connects to you on a personal level. Besides saying, hey, that guy, that girl, that man, that woman. When they say, Mark, I hear it. When they say your name, you hear it. And in this class, they were teaching us that if you try to connect on a personal level and you use a name in a conversation, now watch it. Next time you go to buy a car or buy a piece of furniture and a salesman dealing with you and they start using your name, you're going to be like, they took that class. <laughs> they know if they use my name, they've got me hooked because now we're buddies. We're not just this separate relationship. We're on this same page. 
you lower your guards when you're in a familiar relationship. But it is true. The sweetest sound on earth is your name. And so, Mary, the reader, us, the audience, we know who's standing outside that tomb when she turns around, don't we? It's Jesus. Even the narrative, Jesus was standing there, and she turns and asks him, supposing he was the gardener. The gardener. She goes to ask him, and then Jesus responds, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking? Whom are you seeking? Don't you just love how John does that? Story of Nicodemus when, Jesus came, when he came to Jesus at night. You must be born again. What do you mean? Crawl back into my mama and be born again? How gross is that? It's these double meanings that John has. When Jesus asked her, whom are you seeking? She is seeking Jesus. She doesn't know she had already found him. Until Jesus said to her, Mary. The most beautiful sound on earth. For the good shepherd knows his sheep. And he calls them by name. And he knows Mary because she was one of his. And as soon as he called her name, Mary, one of those early disciples, one of those early followers of Christ who would stand by his side even when he was crucified, would stand with his own mother as he bled and as he anguished, says to her, Mary, have you heard Jesus call your name? If you have, you know. It is the most beautiful sound on earth. So there's a progression. There's a progression of understanding. There's a progression of Jesus, and there's now a progression of Jesus with his disciples. So he says one of the strangest things, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended. What did Jesus mean? Jesus had been glorified, but his glorification had not been fulfilled. He is at a time of transition. Yes, Easter is a day of transition. For Jesus had been risen, but the Holy Spirit had not come on the disciples yet, had not indwelled in their heart the same gift we all join today when Jesus calls our name. And we said, Rabboni, which means teacher and Lord. We answer him. But if you've ever read John's gospel, Jesus constantly refers to God as the Father, my Father, the Father. But there is a transition in thought. Jesus gives Mary a command. He says, Go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Did you catch the change? This happens through the resurrected Christ. He says, your Father, not the Father or my Father, but your Father. For it is through a relationship with Christ who knows you by name and who calls you. And the evidence is stacked in the favor of an empty tomb, of a resurrected Lord. The transition changes. 
is not the Father of God, but it is now your Father and your God. Do you want a relationship with the holy God who is wholly separated for us and we are separated by a deep gulf because of sin? That relationship with God comes through Jesus. It comes through the cross, but it comes through the resurrection. And when Jesus in, in days to come would ascend to the Father and his glorification of this world would be complete, the relationship with the disciples would be forever different because God, through Jesus, gave the Holy Spirit to teach the disciples what the Scriptures meant, to give them recall so that when they were grieving their loss, it became joy because they now understood what Isaiah 53 said about a suffering servant who he must pay and suffer for our cost. But in suffering for us, he would give us victory. And it is the victory over the grave which is God's greatest trick against the devil, against Satan, against the ruler of this world, this dark age. For no longer does the darkness settle over the land, but the light has come. And now we can see with our full eyes because Jesus is risen because we celebrate Easter Sunday, because we meet week after week on the first day of the week, because we believe this is the Lord's day. This is the day of victory. This is the day when the battle was won. This is why we are brothers and sisters. Not just in a familiar bond, but in a bond of strangers of every social economic status. If we call on Jesus as our Savior, we are indeed brothers and sisters. We are His church. It is a universal calling. And it all starts with the evidence of an empty tomb and Jesus saying the most beautiful sound on earth, my name. That's how we'll go. For generation after generation, that's how it's always gone. For Jesus gave the gift of the Spirit so that we may read these scriptures and that we may understand Christ's love for us. There is nothing we can do to earn God's love. It is given in God's mercy and grace. We have to do the hardest thing imaginable in accepting a gift with no strings attached. That's how it is. For some, it just takes a stone rolled away. For others, it's a linen cloth. Some, it's a face cloth and a linen cloth. But for me, it is when Jesus calls my name. Please join with me in a word of prayer. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, we are thankful for today. We are thankful that you sent your son so that we may have a relationship with you. So that that gulf of sin that has so estranged us from your love has been bridged. It's been bridged by the cross. But the cross only has its power because Jesus conquered death and is alive and is on the loose calling his disciples by their name and drawing them in to a relationship with you where you are indeed 
our Father. It is in your name we pray. Amen. And now we have reached our time of invitation. What a better day than Easter Sunday to give your life to Christ. If you had followed Christ, and today is a day you won't let everyone else know, one of the fullest days a church can get, come forward. Show everybody else what you believe on the inside so that they may see it, that you may acknowledge God in the presence of others. Maybe today is a day that you said, hey, First Baptist Church Floyd Day is going to be my church. We'll move my membership over there. No longer am I going to sit on the fence just coming when I feel like it. But I am going to move my membership there and be joined full time. Maybe you're just in need of prayer. Please come forward at this time.